Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey guys, welcome back to your favorite podcast where a veteran couple <laughs> watch some horror movies and tell you all about them. Uh, and she doesn't like it so much, but she does it because she loves him. My name is Cindy. <laughs> you just talked about yourself in third person. <laughs> Maybe. That's okay, because I'm drinking eggnog. It got real he's, motherfucking festive in here. He's drinking some pancake batter that smells of cinnamon, so you know it's eggnog time. It's fucking good. I don't even do booze in it. I just like eggnog. I can only drink so much a year. Like, I do one little carton, usually, and that lasts me. Don't worry, the carton's already been opened, everyone. I know yeah. you're, I know everyone's been worried and wondering. This year. I'm here to tell you. Don't worry. This year we might opened. go through two of the little... What? Uh, what are they? Pint? Court? Courts? Courts, yeah. Courts? Okay, well, anyway, uh, we take movies and we break them down and tell you all about them. And through the eyes of a veteran viewer and a virgin viewer of horror and thriller type movies... This month we're looking at movies uh, based around dinner parties or, or some sort of Family meal. get-togethers. Get-together. We did Coherence. We did The Invitation. And this week we bring in a little more modern. And we watch... The Invitation's like from 2013. Whatever. Well, exactly. A little more modern. <laughs> uh, it's get out time. There it is. What, what? Okay. Get out. Um, so Get Out is rated R. It is one hour and 44 minutes long, and it was released It's February. beyond the 90-minute minute, minute, ninety minute mark yeah. that I like. It was released February 24th, 2017. Okay. Were we together then? No. no. We got together 2018. I'm going to go ahead and, and go out on a limb and say, fuck 2017. <laughs> 2016 and 2017 were some pretty shitty years mm. for the American public in general, oh, but also in my life. So, what were you doing in 2017? The year that things were awful. I had just got, I had, uh, I was one year out from my div- second divorce that we don't talk about. What? Uh, uh, I was back to just kind of living my life with, uh, I wasn't the mom of a teenager yet. I was the mom of a 12-year-old and a 7-year-old. Good times. Good times. Not really. It's insane. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it's weird, but my life was kind of the same. I was teaching and I, I was being a mom. What about you? What were you doing? Social service work, drugs, alcohol. So the same? Basically. Okay. But like, when I say drugs. <laughs> <laughs> you got to clarify. When we're in West Virginia and you say drugs, people start thinking about the whites. I like doing meth. No, um... I was jokingly talking about marijuana. (laughs) (laughs) That's not even a drug anymore. That I don't do anymore. All right. Because of job reasons. Yeah. Faux show. What are we talking about with this movie, though? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about who made it and who's in it. Okay. Let's let's go down that road. This Uh, is when everyone started to go, what? Jordan Peele? Okay. The Key key and Peele guy? Yeah. He made a scary movie? So, yeah, this movie is written and directed by Jordan Peele, um, who would go on to do Us, which we have already done. Oh, yeah. For the podcast. Um, that was a unique terror that I was not expecting. Key and Peele, which is a Fabulous. YouTube go-to. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Keanu. Did remember Keanu? I did not see Keanu. <laughs> about the cat. <laughs> I didn't watch it. I, I thought it was... I, if I, I, I came about the same year as this. 
They were Did like it really? right before it. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Um, so there you go. Woo. Now, this is a Blumhouse movie. So Blumhouse. Now, what does that mean? Um, we talked about Jason Blum before. The oh, yeah. It's his production company. This is this movie was. He is. He seems to have an Blumhouse. eye for the good things. So the stars, the cast of this movie is the lead is Daniel Kaluuya. Okay. He is Chris Washington. You would know him from Sicario, Black Panther, and Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay. Allison Williams. Allison, Allison Williams. Daughter of Brian Williams. Tennessee. Okay. I thought it was Tennessee Williams. No, okay. not as much fun. <laughs> Brian, okay. Bri- Lion Brian Wilson. Lion Brian. Brian Wilson. Lion Brian. I'm Brian Williams. Okay. Uh, she's Rose Armitage. She's in the show Girls. Remember Girls? Yes. She was on the uh, Peter Pan like TV play thing. That, remember NBC was like, I don't let's remember. just do plays on TV because oh, yeah. people want to see that. Yeah, that was weird. Here's Peter Pan with her playing Peter Pan. Okay. I, it might have been good. I don't we didn't watch it. Give a shit about it's not really on our wheel. It's not really in our wheelhouse when we're talking about the horror and thriller movies. Now, call me old fashioned. Old fashioned, okay. When someone says Peter Pan, I want one of two things, Cindy. What? I want old fashioned cartoon racism from Walt Disney. <laughs> Obviously, or that's a given. I want Robin Williams' midlife crisis movie. <laughs> that's what I want. Those are the only thing too that you'll accept. Peter Pan. Not one that has uh, Allison Williams. I don't want a movie about a child playing a child. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Cartoon. All right, man. They were insane. They had to wax Robin Williams' entire body. All right. Because they did. <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk about that in our Robin Williams fan cast. <laughs> Tell me more about Get Out. How about Bradley Whitford? He's okay. In this. He's Dean Armitage. He was on the West Wing. Yes. Everyone knows him from the West Wing. And also Cabin in the Woods, which I am really I fucking seen. looking forward to watching Cabin in the Woods with you. Damn it. Uh, Catherine Keener okay. is Missy Armitage. She's in Being John Malkovich, a movie I love. Nope. And The 40-Year-Old Virgin. That's a movie I love. A movie you love. So I there do you love go. That movie. Okay. Have you ever seen Being John Malkovich? Uh, yes, a very long time <laughs> ago. fucking insane. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Caleb Landry Jones plays Jeremy Armitage. He's in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yes, we actually talked about that movie. It's come up a bunch recently. Yeah, there's a lot of really good people in it for it being a movie that was really underwhelming. For yeah. Me. So, All right. Um, an antiviral. Brandon, Cron- uh, Brandon Cronenberg's movie? David Cronenberg's son, his first movie was called Antiviral. And All right. It starred, uh, I don't Caleb recall Landry it. Jones. That's all right. There's a lot of um, stuff I haven't seen. It's part of what makes this movie fun. Now, or this podcast fun. I'm going to throw out two people that we have talked about on previous episodes. All right, here we go. So the first is Betty Gabriel, who plays Georgina. Okay. She was in The Purge Anarchy. Remember? She yes. was the one that drove the... She um, drove the, the ambulance thing. Yeah. And she had the cool name that I can't remember where she just murdered people yes. before she became an ambulance driver. She's also an upgrade. I love all of those movies I just talked about. Okay. And then Lakeith Stanfield. Um... He's Andre Logan King in this movie. He was in Sorry to um, the movie Sorry to Bother You. Nope. Knives Out. He yep. was the cop. I love that out. movie. I love that movie. Okay. And Short Term Twelve, another really really good movie. I didn't see that one, but okay, we're two for two. And then uh, Stephen Root is Jim Hudson. He's in Office Space. Okay, I loved Office Space. He's Milton. Burn the building down. <laughs> I'm gonna burn this place. And Dodgeball. <laughs> I love that movie. I know exactly so who you're talking you about. 
And then last... Obscure uh, Sports Quarterly. Yeah, lastly, this movie is the premiere um, for comedian Lil Rel Howard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he plays Rod Williams in everyone. Not everyone, but most people, when they watch this movie, mm-hmm. he's their favorite character. Ooh, okay. <laughs> They're like, he's pretty fucking awesome. Um, he's in Bird Box. He's in Free Guy. Nothing. He's in the movie Tag, or the ongoing game of Tag. <laughs> That okay. my mom weirdly likes. Oh, uh, okay. So, um, this movie, throw a tiny little bit of trivia before we go off to watch it. All right. This movie is one of a handful of horror films that's been nominated for Best Picture. Yes. That's what, and that's what made, really put Jordan Peele on the map as a writer-director was. He, he won for Best yeah. Original Screenplay. That's wild. He got nominated for Best Picture and Best Director as well. But more on that in a moment. But uh, the other horror films, horror right. quotes, that were nominated for Best Picture were The Exorcist, Jaws, Silence of the Lambs, uh, and Black Swan. Okay. So that We've is... done quite a few of those. All right. So uh, this is the part of the program where Josh... We're not there yet. We're not there, we're yet. Not there yet? I was going to say, uh, I, said, I know surprisingly little, but go ahead. What um, are we, uh, what are we so looking at? So I'm just going to give you some more trivia because I want to... I wanna... Get you in the perfect space for this movie. All right. And getting in the headspace, everyone. Um, so, at a Vanity Fair screening of the film, uh, Peel explained that he wrote the screenplay during the first term of Obama's preg- uh, pregnancy. Of Obama's <laughs> presidency. Okay. When racism was believed to be a thing of the past, and he thought there wouldn't be much interest in the movie in such an optimistic climate. And then. So, he shelved it until and 2016. Then, lo and behold, here comes old Trumpy. <sighs> I just yeah. got indigestion. Continue. <laughs> you just said his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jordan Peele stated that he wrote Get Out, not necessarily something to get made. He wrote it as an exercise. Okay. To give him something to do to, like, he loves horror films. Like, that's a thing that yeah, cracks I, me up. Like, he made his bones in comedy, but horror is his Twilight genre. Zone yeah. horror films, yeah. So he was just writing this horror film as, like, practice to get something made, and then it's what got made. And Interesting. That. Yeah. Um, and the film recouped more than seven times its four and a half million dollar wow. budget in the first weekend. Wow! With over thirty-four million dollars in its first opening weekend. <sighs> yep. And it Damn. was uh, the production was twenty-three days in Fairhope, Alabama, and that must have been fun for everyone. The reason it was in Alabama was um, he wanted to shoot the film in Los Angeles, and it was supposed to shoot in L.A. And uh, basically. They lost the funding to shoot in L.A. Okay. And if I remember correctly, Peel was talking about how he was driving and he got a call from Jason Blum saying, like, the movie's off. We lost the funding to shoot in L.A. And then 20 minutes later, he called him back and he's like, we could shoot it, but it has to be in, like, Alabama. So, done. All right. Let's go over to Alabama. Yeah. Um, It's one of the rare movies that for a while had the 100% uh, fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I remember that. That was like groundbreaking. 98 or 97 now, but... Still pretty high up there. Insanely high. It is the highest grossing uh, debut horror film based on an original screenplay at $176 million. Wow. Before that, you know what it was? What? The Blair Witch Project. Yeah, okay. Yep. Uh, It hit $140 million. That checks. And... With this film, Jordan Peele became the fifth African-American filmmaker to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Director, following John Singleton for Boys in the Hood, 
uh, Lee Daniels for Precious, Steve McQueen for 12 Years a Slave, and Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. All of those movies are really new. <laughs> the oh, oldest gosh. one being 1991. The rest of them are in the 2000s. 2000s. Man, yeah. come on. Um, and come he on, also America. became the fourth, this is actually, to me, more impressive, the fourth filmmaker to receive Academy Award nominations for producing, directing, and writing a debut feature film. Damn. Following Orson Welles. <laughs> yeah. What? Um, okay. For so that's Kane. groundbreaking. Like uh, Warren Beatty for Having Can Wait and James O. Brooks for Terms of Endearment. Those are he's the fourth. Yeah. I. Those are all good movies too. So this movie is spoiler alert about race. Yeah. And it came out. And we talked about 2017. I kind of skipped over this. It's the year that Trump got inaugurated. The Women's March happened. Yeah. Um, we had a worldwide famine. The Unite the Right rally happened in yeah. Charlottesville. Yep. Trump stared up at that. I put that down in my notes. Oh, yeah, when he stared at the eclipse. eclipse. Yeah. Didn't blind him the way I wanted it to. <laughs> uh, the guy opened fire at that uh, concert in Las Vegas oh, that year. God, yeah. We don't talk about that one. That one was bad. And Disney bought Fox. That was that was the year. Like it was just, bam, awfulness. Like we definitely like, slid into like an alternate universe for sure. I would say complacency. Well, okay, we slid into a complacent universe then. Yeah. Um. So that is what I have for you. Where can we see this movie? <laughs> I know that we own it. Uh, you're probably gonna have to rent it. I think it's on. I think I saw it on like. Fox movie channel, but okay, you're probably gonna have to watch it with commercials. So this is the part of the podcast where Josh has made an original poster, and I try to tell you the meaning of the movie. I know, I was as I was saying earlier, I know surprisingly little about this because I knew we were going to be watching it for this move, this podcast at some point. So let me see. It's a man down on a chair screaming. It's half black, half white. Okay. So I'm going to say this is a movie about um, almost like a sliding doors type thing where we see a movie of um, an interracial couple and they go to her house and it's like upper class fanciness and then like sliding doors, then like it's, it flips and she's of color and he's the white guy and like how life is different or the same under both perspectives, I guess, maybe. But I don't see how that would be a scary movie. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I feel like... Like, I had an idea in my head, but then, like, verbalizing it, it just fell to pieces. I feel like you're really going to like this movie a lot. Okay. Um, Jump scares. I think so. Any triggers? I think they hit a deer. Any chiggers, like the bugs that you get to put the white... No? Okay. That was just a joke. Okay. (laughs) Um, yeah. All right. There's some movies like... I like Jordan Peele's work. I've seen quite a bit of it. There's some movies that you watch and you're like, oh, this is like fun and this will be like a half hour podcast thing where we're just kind of like, ha ha, like... This is going to be one that takes more There's going to be a lot of layers probably to unpeel this one. All right. All right. So uh, join us, won't you? See what I did? Peel. Mind the doors. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your gator? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? 
Should they? You might wanna, you know? Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bruh. Meeting families and taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs>
Kyle's driving in his F-150 right now, and he's pissed, pissed off. No, I'm sorry, his Chevy S10. Thank you. His 98 Chevy S10, he's pissed right now. 98s were good Chevys. So, there you go. Okay, so <laughs> uh, they use a hallucination-type thing to send your consciousness to, what do they call it? The sunken the place. The sunken place, where you're no longer, yeah, you're consciousness is no longer in control of the body and they've developed a way to put a different person's consciousness in that body and so they start replacing you know people by bodies and you know so they can become young again or they can do things and yeah essentially the way they describe it is they take the person in question like whoever the body that's going to be taken mm-hmm. over, right? Um, like Chris in this, this yeah. instance, we'll use him as an example. They're going to cut his brain out, but leave the part that maintains like motor function. Right. That tells his brain to breathe and whatever. And then put in the higher functioning of the um, white guy <laughs> from office space. Right. Who plays an art collector who has gone blind. Yeah. And he just wants to be able, and Chris is a photographer. And he just wants his eyes and he wants to be able to take beautiful pictures and see things again. Yeah. Um, and so he talks about how he'll be driving the car, but Chris will still be there. Mm-hmm. But like in the backseat. Right. Kind of. Not like he'll be able to see what's happening. And the camera angle that they use to demonstrate that it's like um, it's like a far away bold TV. That you're trying to kind of focus in on. Um, so I, I imagine we're going to have a lot to talk about with what this movie is actually about. Yeah. But let's go <clears> ahead and get something out of the way now because All right. we do know what it's about. So Jordan Peele said that the sunken place means that African-American people are marginalized. No matter how hard they scream, the system constantly silences us. True. So that's that's the stand-in for the, sil- or the sunken place. Yeah. Is because the, yeah, because the bodies are always um, African American. Yep. Um, so here's a couple things I noticed, and oh, they stuck. And this is your second time watching it, or have you watched it? It's more I think than my third, okay. or fourth time. Okay, so you picked up on some interesting things. Um, I probably just gleamed over. But some of the things I definitely, I think, even the first time you watch it, you notice how there's a. There's a Tension. comfort, a comfort, what's the word I'm for? Like a comfortability of white people with black people mm-hmm. that of like how many people in this movie, when they meet Chris, just touch him. Yeah. Like, Oh, look how strong you are. Like, like grab yeah. his arms or like ask him to pose in certain ways or mm, feel like, yeah, they almost feel like he's a prop and not a person. Right. And they're the most well-meaning uh, of the white people. I would have voted for Obama again if I could. Yeah, I would have voted, yeah, I would have voted for Obama for a second term. Th- a third term. Yeah, third term, yeah. So that's a thing in this movie? Yes. And it's this well-meaning, and they they feel like they, they have no kind of care or regret of what they're doing. It just it is what it is. And, well, why black people? I mean, he actually asks them, and he says, well, why not? Or, or, no, it wasn't why not, it was, we don't know, or 
Does it matter? Well, there's definitely, they have a thing, and I think this speaks to a larger problem in this country. Okay. Where black people and white people, well, the white people in this movie have no um, problem usurping like black autonomy and what is so that what makes this movie so honestly a horror movie at least for me was just how casually the and how well the the girlfriend or the daughter um how her her role in this she just seemed so earnest and so the whole time i thought there is something going on there's something going on but she I, i really did not think she knew what was going on she wasn't a part of it and I felt like, oh, you know, she needs to go too. And then she could just turn it right off. You know, yeah. I can't give you the keys, right? And then when she's on the phone with uh, his friend and she's just sitting totally normal, just no big deal, going through the motions. And she sounds so earnest in her voice. And her, I mean, her acting is incredible. It's, it really is a testament to just how scary and, you know, it's just a role that she plays of being this loving girlfriend. You were one of my favorites. Well, here's the thing. If if we take off that, right, and we look at whiteness as an establishment. Okay. Right? Yes. And, and represented by the dad. Mm-hmm. Right. Josh Lyman from uh, <laughs> West Wing. Yep. So if he's the, he's the figurehead, he's the person kind of running the whole show. He's the right? neurosurgeon. He has essentially two children, mm-hmm. and they have been weaponized in very different ways. Yes. Like, he's got a weird son who's really into jiu-jitsu, and he goes out and collects people by just beating the shit out of them, choking them out. Attacking him, yeah. While he's dressed like a knight. Yeah, that like white knight. Like a crusader knight. knight. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's a layer there. Yeah. Just going around the suburbs and uh, Picking up. souped up fucking, like, Hyundai, just yep. choking dudes out. And then on the flip side of that coin, you have his white daughter who's super culturally sensitive and has learned how to weaponize her looks to lure dudes in. And then she even, like you said, it's like an extra layer of like, man, this is so awkward, right? Like, oh, my parents are gross. Right. He's he's walking around saying my man. He's never said that in his entire life. Yeah, it it all just seems so natural. And it was just, that's what made it so scary, was that it was just so easy for her to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, he wasn't even, the operation wasn't even over, and she was just looking on Bumble for her next. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think that goes back to when this movie first came out, right after the election, the yeah. inauguration. We as a nation were looking around, and we're like, what the fuck happened? And we saw all these white women. Who voted against their best interests. Yeah. And because it was what? 51% or 50% of the women who voted for Trump were like. I don't even. Like, it was like, I don't remember. Uh, he won like 50 or 51% of like suburban white women. Yeah. Or something like that. It, it was, was a high number. It was crazy. So it was people voting against their best interests. And, and this kind of speaks to that. It's yeah. being weaponized against other marginalized people yep. because women are definitely a marginalized group of and, people. And and it speaks to how they were probably both trained to bring in people. She was trained to lure lure in, you know, a, a young type of athlete, 
because you know there was a, a old pro golfer and there was a you know an old Japanese man, whereas his was just you know a random person off the street to replace an old man, I guess, who was dying or something. Like it was just you know what I mean. He was supposed to be the one who just tackles and and she had to yeah. use her beauty and she was a pretty girl and, and i think it's very telling that they mention with your people's natural physical gifts mm-hmm. and our will and intelligence mm-hmm. right yeah the sky's the limit baby yeah so it's the idea of like they as far as we've come from the civil war and slavery the white establishment is still viewing black people as a commodity. Yes. As essentially equipment that, or things they can use a commodity. You're exactly right. Yeah. That's what it is. And one thing that really stuck out to me on this viewing was when he's like, we're going to go play bingo with sparklers. Oh yeah. And then they go out back and they essentially have a slave auction in a gazebo. Yep. And he's using bingo cards and people are betting. And As like their numbers. Yeah. Silently using his hands. To me, the thing that stuck out about that scene more than anything else on this rewatch was how something as simple and at face value innocent as bingo. Yeah. Right? Every piece of Americana has some tainted history. Yeah, it does. In like awful things we've done to marginalize people, especially slaves in this country. Mm -hmm. Like every, every establishment is built on that. Yeah. Right. Even to the point where at the end of the movie, he deliberately sets up having a police car roll up because everyone's dead. Oh yeah. And And it's her. And you're like, I saw it in your Hell, face. Yeah, like, I was the so cops are mad. Get out of this car and arrest. And yeah, we know what's going to happen. Now you said, uh, "Do you want to talk about that here?" With the original ending, yeah, was he, I think he said he originally had planned on it. That's what would happen. Like the police would apprehend him or Boo! shoot him. Yeah, and that's. I agree with him. He said he thought people would. Lose that's a little their more minds. realistic, but yeah, and I think it goes to. Because he mentioned Night of Living Dead being an influence on this movie, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like it's not only an influence, but Night of the Living Dead is, it's like a call and answer. Because you have a black antagonist stuck in one place, the odds are more and more stacked against them. Right. But when Night of the Living Dead came out, it was revolutionary to be like, oh no, like we're killing black people and that's fucked up and we shouldn't be doing that. Right? Right. Get Out is now to the point where it's like, we're fucking past that. We know it's wrong. So let's just stop doing it. I'm yeah. not going to do it. I'm not going to kill the black guy at the end of the movie. Good. He gets to live. And Yeah. So it's the next logical step. Agreed. And I think that's why this movie would make a fucking dope connection with, um, or a double feature with None of the Living Dead. I yeah. Probably would, I think you're right. Yeah. You know, at face value, people, like, you wouldn't see the connection. But I think after watching both of them back to back, yeah, for sure. I I like your call and response kind of analogy there. We talked a little bit about in the first half. I think he's, Jordan Peele's right. This movie would have had maybe a little bit more of a punch Mm -hmm. if he had gotten to film it in Los Angeles rather than Alabama. Because I do think that we think of 
racism as being a Southern thing. Right. And it's not. It's an everywhere thing. Exactly. Um, having, having it in the established liberal, in quotes, hard right. America and Hollywood, and then this happening, I think would have carried a little more weight. Mm-hmm. But obviously, if the option was like, we make it in Alabama or we don't make it, you clearly make it in Alabama. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I'm... As a person who grew up in Appalachia and has has family from the South and whatnot, to me it's always frustrating that th- that template of Southern dudes are all right. Like, our society everywhere is racist. Right. It's not just in one location. It's, and that's another kind of white thing. Is that you just like, oh, well, it's down there. Or, you yeah. know, not not around but, here. Not well, around you here. Know, it's just trashy people down South. It's like, no, it's... It's trashy people. Redlining occurred in neighborhoods in the north. Too. Yeah, like it's for sure. It's everywhere. Like let's acknowledge that. So I think we don't have a problem seeing what the theme of this. Correct. Movie was, right. Yeah. Um, this is definitely not an Arkov movie. In any, it's definitely more of like a Hitchcock movie, for sure. It definitely builds on suspense. Yes. Uh, I'm going to leave you a little bit of trivia, and then I want to ask you a question that I'm really curious to hear what your answer is. All right, go so, ahead. So uh, the lead actor, Daniel Kaluuya, who plays Chris, was given the lead role after nailing his audition. Jordan Peele said that he did five takes of a key scene in which he needed to cry, and he hit every single one perfectly, including, like, tears streaming down his face. Okay, he could cry on command. And he was like, damn, this dude is good. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Lil Rel stated that TSA agents will mm-hmm. stop him when he goes to the airports. He's like, get like, out, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. And they have made him like kind of like a low-key Team motherfucking TSA SA. <laughs> Right? Yep. <laughs> um, speaking of that party scene. Mm-hmm. So At the end, yeah. Yeah. Daniel Kaluuya said that the party scene was just like, I've been in that party. I'm going to that party. Like, that kind of racism that isn't seen as racism, this isn't seen as kind of like mainstream racism. It's just life, and to explore that is quite an uncomfortable conversation, and Jordan spoke his truth. He cinematically articulated an experience that millions of people go through, and they're made to feel crazy for going through that, right. but he just said, no, we're actually going to talk about it, and you're not crazy. I like it. Um, most of Lil Rel's lines were ad-libbed in this movie. <laughs> basically, we're just like, you know, cut him loose. Nice. Okay. Um, I will say- He was, again, the best. He was so funny. That Jordan Peele attended a class that UCLA had. This movie has created college courses. Oh, around this movie, and the UCLA, the, yeah, the UCLA class he popped into and surprised kids. It was called Sunken Place: Racism, Survival, and Black Horror Aesthetic. Nice. And yeah, he sat. And in the he front snuck row. up. He or sat in the he front snuck row. In? They talk. We're talking about the movie, and then he got up and started answering questions. And oh, that's awesome! You can actually see such it on a YouTube. good guy. It's hilarious. Uh, you mentioned the Japanese guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I have trivia about that Japanese guy. Tell me about it. So his name is Yasuhiko Oyami or Oyama. Oyama. Um, okay. He's not an actor, but a noted karate master. Oh. The cast and call for all the secondary characters was local, and Peel had a hard time finding a Japanese actor in Mobile, Alabama. I would imagine. And Oyama lives in Birmingham, Alabama, which is about four hours north, give or take, where he runs the World Oyama Karate Organization. And he's the father-in-law of one of Key's or one of Peel's best friends, Ken Marino. Oh, Ken Marino from the state. <laughs> so there you go. I know Ken Marino. Um, 
It was an amazing movie. And and like you said, it there it had so much to say. Yeah. And it, it really stays with you for a long time afterwards. And I think that's because uh, Peel said that when you watch the movie, you are Chris. Yeah. Like, the power of the story encourages empathy and it allows us to see through other people's lives. And... I think the opening mm-hmm. does a really good job of... It has a Halloween vibe where it sets up the whole movie and it's almost like a little short unto yeah. its own. Of It takes something that's so comfortable for white people of the suburbs. Yeah. And you're like, oh, <laughs> this is fucking awkward and uncomfortable. Awkward. Like, yeah, and it, it you see through a lens that you've never seen before, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um fucking really like this movie i do too but here's my question to you oh yeah hit me up what you got like 